Let's pray together. Our great God, we come before you recognizing that indeed you are in control, that you are Lord, you are God over all things. And we come thankful for this privilege of gathering together to worship your great name. And that worship, it doesn't stop as we turn to your word, it continues. And so may you help us to continue to come with hearts of worship this morning. We do indeed come so thankful that you do and you will hold us fast. That you will keep us until the end. And we thank you for that, that when Christ saves, he's not joking. He's not tricking us. When he says he will save, he saves to the uttermost. And so we thank you that from first to last, it depends on Christ. And so we come before you as the body of Christ in view of this wonderful and wondrous gospel. May you help us to wonder at it all the more this morning and glory in it. Even as we, we pray for those who are indeed living for it now, even as we are seeking to live for it now, but we pray expressly for those who are suffering for Christ. We know that our heart grieves with those of our brothers and sisters who are suffering even now all around the world, but especially as we take in the news of those in Afghanistan and realize our brothers and sisters there are facing great difficulty. We pray for them, Father. We ask that you may help them to find refuge right now. Refuge certainly in you, above all, in fear of life and limb, but also refuge and safety. May you protect them. May you help them, Father. May you provide for them physically and spiritually. May you help them, Lord. We just lift them up to you and ask for your grace upon them now. We pray for grace for their witness that even so, even in the face of persecution which you promised, that they would hold fast to Christ even as you certainly are holding fast to them. And you're holding them and no one will snatch them out of your hand. And so we thank you for that and for these truths and we pray you'd be with them, Father. And uphold them and keep them and help them to continue proclaiming the gospel in all wisdom and boldness and humility and love. And we pray, Father, even as many are laying their lives down, may we this morning lay our, our own lives down. The Christian life is not a life of self-exaltation. It is not a life where we live in the limelight and we glorify ourselves or seek after great name or power or any prestige or any of these things, but we are those who lay our lives down for Christ. Those, as those who belong to Christ. And so help us. Help us this morning as we come to your word to take on that heart and mind. You are God. And we will be with you forever. And we will forever worship you with all the saints throughout time. So may you bless this time as we turn to your word. Before you, God, we come. In Jesus' name, amen.
you would, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John this morning, and we'll be in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. And so, with these verses, we have come to the last chapter and the final verses of this Gospel. And so, we began this in February of 2020, not knowing what would lie ahead for us individually or as a nation or as a world. And here we are, finishing this gospel this morning with these last verses here. And I know it may feel like we've been in it for a while or maybe not, but I know it's not 225 sermons as some have done (laughs) preaching through the gospel of John. (laughs) I think we ended up with 60-something sermons with this uh, gospel here. Let me just say, I, I know for me, and I, hopefully for you also, what a journey it has been. Amen. What a blessing to the soul. What a journey it has been as we have seen Christ and we have had Christ set before us and how we have marveled at Jesus. We have adored Jesus. We have gloried in Christ and we have stood and, and even perhaps like Thomas, you know, even bowed and just confessed, my Lord and my God. And maybe not even just recently, just throughout the whole thing, you know, my Lord and my God, how incredible you are. And indeed, we have seen and believed in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. And the Word was made flesh who became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glories of the only son from the father full of grace and truth and we have seen the glorious truth that though we are broken though we are sinful though we are ruined what did God do he sent his son into the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life we have seen all these things and gloried in all these things. He is indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is indeed the bread of life. He is indeed the light of the world. He is indeed the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true vine, and he is the great I am. He indeed died for us as an offering for our sin. And he didn't just kind of die. He really died. And he he wasn't a phantom. He wasn't a ghost. He died and he was buried. But he didn't stay buried. He rose victorious. And he came and he showed this to all. And he declares, I am the Lord. He is prophet, priest, and even now he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And so we have seen wondrous things, haven't we? (laughs) And so before such a Lord and such a Savior, him who indeed overcomes the world, we do take heart this morning and now come to these final verses of the Gospel of John, having seen all of these things so let's read these verses then and take them up 
and follow Christ this morning. So may God bless the reading of his good word. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him for the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself. And walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, and he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is a disciple who is bearing witness about these things and has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So here we are then final chapter, final verses, and here in these closing verses, the focus, it shifts to this very personal scene between Peter, John, and Jesus. Now, you may be like, what do you mean the focus shifts? I wasn't here last week. What are you talking about? (laughs) So, if you remember, or if you can even just see there at the beginning of this chapter, at the opening Of this chapter, we found Peter and a number of the other disciples. What were they doing? Yeah, they they got up and they said, or Peter is like, hey, let's go fishing, you know. And so they did, and they joined him and went fishing. Now, along the way, they did not catch anything. And then as, you know, daybreak is coming, you know, light is coming up, there is Jesus on the shore. Hey, why don't you... Stop throwing it on the left side and throw it on the right side. And you'll find an abundance of fish. Okay, they say. And professional fishermen as they are. And they obey and they do as he says. And so it is. Abundance of fish. 153. 
just as Jesus had said would happen. And so after coming ashore, Jesus, he didn't say, no, no, no. I don't serve you. You serve me. Is that what he did? No. (laughs) As the risen, victorious Lord and King over all things, here he is and he serves them breakfast. So fish and bread. And that's where all this scene began. And so then, makes sense of when they had just finished breakfast. Now, that's not all though. That's the context of what's going on here. That's part of it. But the other part is what Renee read there earlier. And what was that? Peter's denial. How he denied Christ three times. And so with that, as you can imagine, having done such a thing, you know yourself what it's like when you have committed something, you've done something grievous, committed some sin that you just, man, I wish I hadn't done that. And so it is we have this dialogue here between Jesus and Peter. And at the very heart of this dialogue here in verses 15 through 19 is this call for Peter, and it's the call for you and myself as well, and it is this, to love Christ above all. To love Christ above all. Now, the Christian life, it consists of this. I mean, you do not know God if you do not love Him. It's not, not merely kind of this thing where, you know, just this emotional kind of feelings you have on a Sunday morning. Well, that's enough. That, that's that proof that I love Jesus. That's not the way Scripture speaks of love in the Bible. No, no. Love, when it's real, when it's true, it expresses itself in actions. It's not just, man, I love Jesus, and then your life looks nothing like Jesus whatsoever. No, that's not the kind of love that we see in the Bible. Just like, you know, you, you might have your spouse and you may you know, proclaim your love for her or him all day long and say, I love you, I love you. But then you do nothing whatsoever to show your love for him or her. I mean, what's going on there? No, love expresses itself. And so it is here. You can claim all day that you have faith, but without love as a fruit of that faith, it is not real. And really, that's not something new. And and really, I would say that's a cultural Christianity. Sentimentalized Christianity. But it's not the Bible. And that love runs throughout Scripture. And so throughout Scripture, this emphasis on love runs deep. So consider some passages that you guys know, I'm sure, very well. But Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. With everything you are. Then also another, consider these words from Jesus, Matthew 22. Again, you know them. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend the law and the prophets. I don't see just emotion there, do, do you? you know? Is that what you see just when I get those fuzzy feelings? You know? <laughs> that shows that I love Jesus. Well, no, no. It's everything. And we've seen that in this gospel too. So Jesus, he says in John 14, 15, verse 15 and 21, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So all this to say, love matters a great deal to Christ. And so it is then, after Peter's denial, we have this conversation between Jesus and Peter. And what we find here is that Peter's love for Christ is affirmed. It's affirmed. Now, Peter, he had sinned against the Lord. He had sinned a grievous sin. He had failed. He had denied Jesus. And so because of this, Jesus, he has some very heart-searching questions for Peter. And they won't be light kind of questions or easy kind of questions. You know, if you've, if you've walked in some sin and, and someone's trying to help you out of it, you know, those aren't, that's not an easy conversation to have. But it, it's needed. And this is the kind of conversation here is that Jesus is coming to Peter. These are not easy things for him. This will not be easy for him. But they are necessary And so Jesus begins, and he asks Peter there in verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, what in the world does he mean by these? (laughs) Now, there are a great number of opinions on what the these is. (laughs) You know, what is he talking about here? Well, let let me share some of these with you. It could be that he might be asking, do you love me more than you love the disciples? You you love them a lot, but do you love me more than them? Or he could be asking, do you love me more than the disciples do? You know, they love you a lot. They love Jesus a lot. But do you love me more than they love me? (laughs) So is that what he's asking here, another still is, do you love me more than your fishing gear? He had just been fishing. He just went back to his job, per se, maybe. We talked about that last time. So, do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than the, way, the, way, the old way of things? Well, initially, so those are the kind of the options here, trying to think through the passage, be faithful in understanding what God's Word says. This isn't a preferable or side issue kind of thing. This is something we should want to know. So out of all these options, I think the one that seems most appealing is option two. I mean, appealing like most fitting in view of the passage. Now you're like, what option was that again? Well, do you love me more 
than the disciples do. They love me, but do you love me more than them? And why that one? Well, you might, re- might recall from the Gospel of Matthew, you know, how after Jesus, he tells the disciples that all of you are going to fall away. What does Peter say? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Not me. Matthew 26, he confidently answers, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And so there's a sense about Peter, like, they love you all right, but man, I really love you. There's no way I'm going to fall away from you. So you see how that can fit in here, and this makes sense that Jesus is challenging, oh, you said that you love me more than they do. Well, what of that, Peter? What of all that that you were saying then? So Jesus, he might be alluding to that. And I think he partially is here. However, I think there may be actually a fourth option here, and it's this. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, i.e., fish and bread? Where did that come from? (laughs) Were you expecting that one? Well, if you remember from last week, we we saw a connection there between John chapter 6 and John chapter 21. Well, so here then, come back in John chapter 6. So last week we saw the parallels there between the feeding of the 5,000. That was what was going on in John chapter 6. And even more than that, Jesus shows that he is the bread of life. And you need to not just kind of have me. You need to eat my body. You need to drink my blood. And he says all that. And if you want to know how to think through all that, you can go back to my sermon and listen to it. But he says all that. That's how much you need to have Jesus. And so, there it is. And I don't think that the parallel there between John 6 and John 21 ended in our verses last week. So, following the feeding of the 5,000, the people, what do they do? They follow him. Why do they follow him? Do you remember? Yeah. Give us some more food. (laughs) You know, that's what they want. Where's more fish and bread? You know, that's what they're after. You know, just give us some more of that stuff. So they weren't following Jesus because of Jesus. They wanted more food. They weren't after Jesus. They were after what he could give to them. And so this, I think, lies behind Jesus' question. Are you just one of those food people? You know? I mean, you you just denied me. Are you just one of those people? You just follow me for what you can get from it. Is that what you're about? And the honest truth is people still do this today. You can come to Jesus for all sorts of reasons without actually coming to Christ. And if you don't actually come to Christ, you don't know him at all. That was the problem with the people in John 6. They just wanted, you know, fish and bread. They didn't actually have Jesus himself. The story, you might have heard the song, Here I Am to Worship. I don't know if you've heard the story behind that song, and I'm not going to tell you the whole thing here, but basically, 
it began with a, a kind of a problem and kind of a question they had is that, you know, here we are singing these songs. We like the rhythm. They had lights in their church. So they had like the lights and the performance of it all. And so here's the question that they were facing. They asked, if you take all the music away, if you take away all the performance and all the lights, what's left? And so they took it all away. And they sang these words. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. So I'll ask you, take it all away. What's left? What's in your heart? Is it really just all about food? And of course, I'm not talking about food. I mean, it could be. The fish and bread? Is it just about the friends you get in coming to church? Is it just about a family gathering here? Just get those good feelings. People that know who I am. Everybody knows my name. <laughs> like cheers. Is it about going to heaven? Well, I don't care if Jesus is there. As long as I get heaven, that's enough. We're a John 6 kind of person. You don't really have Jesus. Or is, is it about Jesus? Is it Jesus? Is he the one that you love more than all those things? More than my wife, more than my children, more than my home, more than my job, more than anything, anything else. Do you love me more than these? And the answer here is we are to love him more than these, more than food. We are to love him above all those things. And so Jesus, he has these questions for him and for us also, he asks Peter if he loves him here three times. And we see it right there in that third time. It especially hits Peter there in verse 17. Peter was grieved. He was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And so we have questions to ask ourselves here. But before we do, we have this interesting exchange of words. And this isn't, this isn't new to you. I'm sure if you've been in the church, you've heard this sermon or a sermon on these, on these verses before. Somewhere, sometime. And so what I'm getting at here is, you know, Jesus, he asks here, Peter, he says, do you love me? Or as you have heard, do you agape me, right? And so he uses the Greek word agape for love. And then Peter, he answers each time, yes, Lord, you know that I love you or phileo you. 
which is the Greek word also for love. They're both used for love. And, and, you know, just honestly, many people have wrestled over these words and what John may be doing with them here. And let me just say something. I am less inclined to focus on these two words alone. I know that kind of takes us off the trajectory of about a ton of sermons you probably have heard, and I'm not denouncing those. But why do I say that? Well, because those two words for love, agape and phileo, when you look at them in the New Testament, you step back and you find that they're used interchangeably. And so that would mean that they're not, they're not necessarily signifying this great depth of meaning with just the words themselves. Okay? So that's one kind of concern, and that's not just in the Gospel of John, that's in the whole of the New Testament as well, and even the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament too. So for example, even in just the Gospel of John, in John 11.5 and John 11.36, that word, or agape, is used, and phileo is used, of Lazarus. Jesus loves Lazarus. But they're essentially meaning the same thing. Now, just back up a little bit. Why am I spending time on this? Because you're wondering what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> you know, this is how I've heard this, these, this passage over and over again. So let's consider more broadly. 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul, he says, For Demas, in love, agape, with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And so there, it's not a higher sense of love. It is a bad thing. What determines that? What determines the meaning is the context, right? Context, context, context. <laughs> also, just to put this in perspective, some, they say agape emphasizes a lower love and phileo is the higher love, while some others say agape is the higher love and phileo is the lower love. And what does that mean? Well, that means they conflict. They both cannot be true. And so I'm just setting before you, here are some of the things going on as we're considering and trying to be faithful with what John is saying because we want to know what God's word says, right? And so these are all going on, these conversations, such that one commentator says there is no reason on the grounds of Johannine usage for seeing a difference in meaning between the two verbs. Now, there's kind of everything for you to think about. <laughs> now let me just say that I'm not decrying those who have made these distinctions. But I'm saying we need to think about this a bit more. I'm not personally convinced that there's a real distinction being made here between the words themselves for those reasons. And so I think the primary thing, you have your Bible there in English, the primary thing then, that we need to see and that we see clearly from John without a doubt is that he is making this point. We are to love Jesus more than anything else. And everybody, every one of you, see that right now. And that's clear. And if we miss that point, you can agape phileo all day, and if you miss that point, you miss the biggest point of all. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? Now having said all that, 
At the same time, I do think Jesus is making a connection now to some of his earlier words in John 13 and 15. And I'll explain here. John 15, verse 12 through 13, says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. How does that relate to this passage? Well, Jesus is getting ready to talk about how John, or Peter, is going to be required of him to lay down his life for his friends, brothers, sisters, those he's preaching the gospel to. That's what Jesus did, and that's the kind of love for Jesus and his sheep that Jesus is calling Peter to as well. And not just there, but turn, or you can look, or I don't know if you have it up there, because I didn't tell you this one before, but John 12 Verse 25 through 26 as well. It says there, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, then my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So all of this is going into these verses here. Peter you were not willing to lay your life down, were you? You denied me three times. Are you willing to go and feed my sheep, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep, because your life will be required of you if you're going to follow me? You see how it all just kind of comes into these verses. The whole of the Gospel of John is just coming down into this last chapter. And so it is that Jesus calls Peter to lay his life down just like Jesus laid his life down. Out of that true love for me, Jesus is saying to him, care for my sheep, even lay your life down for them. So out of love for Christ, Peter is to care for his, for Christ's sheep. He is to disciple. He is to preach. He is to minister. He is to love them. He is to shepherd them. And he is to feed them, not because they are his sheep, but because whose sheep are they? Christ's. And this is now the charge of every single minister of the gospel to lay down your life for your sheep. And we come back then to the question, or we come to a question, what do you feed the sheep with? John chapter (laughs) 6. The bread of life. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood, he says there. You see all the connections? And so this is what you're to feed him with. You're to feed him with Christ, the bread of life. You're to feed him with the Word of God, the Word made flesh. Who dwelt among us. We are ministers of the Word of God. This is why I set all these things before you. Why I labor over it. It's not a joke. It's not a game. It's not just niceties. We really want to know what God's Word says. 
And so it is, I toil and I wrestle with its words and its meaning. Why? Because I love Christ. Because I love you. That's why. Because it's Christ's sheep and not mine. And so I set before you all these things. And so Peter is being called to set before all the word of Christ in Christ himself. And so it would be seeing all these connections, John 15, John 12, John 6, and so on. Out of love for Christ, what would Peter go on and do? He would go on and live and die for Christ. He would. He who loves me will keep my commandments. Peter would go and die for his Lord. You want to know if I love you? I will go all the way to death because I love you. He would indeed lay his life down, which is exactly what Jesus says here next. He would love Jesus all the way to die and to death for the glory of God. Now, from tradition, we know that, or at least we have heard whether it's true or not, there's some debate, but Peter, when he was faced 30 years after all this, you have that in the back of your mind the whole time, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to die, you know, sometime, you know, in the future for him. And so he's finally faced with his own death and it is a cross. And he says, no, 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 I am not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. And so he would go and be crucified upside down for Christ. Out of love for Christ. All to the glory of God. You can die for the glory of God. Did you know that? think we look at death and it is a terrible thing but how are you laying your life down to the glory of God there are believers in Afghanistan right now dying to the glory of God and the reality is is they're not missing out they're gaining everything the worst thing isn't dying The worst thing is dying apart from Christ and going to hell forever. When you and I die, if you know Christ here, we're going to be with him. But not so for the world. We have a message to preach. Our lives to lay down. And so we have some questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning. It's all well and good for Peter, right? Oh, just keep it on Peter, you know. Just ask those questions of him. Don't turn them around at me. But we aren't to leave here without examining ourselves. God, he is asking you. He is asking you. Do you love me more than fill in the blank? He isn't isn't just saying, Peter, 
You lay your life down. You love me. He's saying, church, love me like this. All in. All you are. Lay your life down kind of love. Your whole self. Love me. That's to be your life. Nothing rises above your love for Christ. So fill in the blank. Is there something else there? Is it food? Is it money? Is it power? Is it heaven? Is it sex? Is it comforts? Is it something else? We need to humbly ask ourselves these things. I would even encourage you to put yourself in this dialogue here with Christ before you and asking, Andrew, do you love me? Just fill in the blank. Put your name there. Or do you? Do you love him? And so the closing appeal of this gospel then is this. You follow him. You follow me. And so the conversation here continues. And as Jesus and Peter, they walk along the beach of the Sea of Galilee. Peter, he turns to see John there. Which a mild point there, but John is just like following after Jesus like wherever he goes, you know. He's like, I got to be near Jesus. And so he's over here behind him, trailing behind, like, you know, I want to be near Jesus, well, you know, before he ascends into heaven. And so you just kind of see him telling along there. And so Peter, he notices this, following them. And he sees all this. So in view of all Jesus said and laying his life down kind of love, Peter, he asked Jesus about him, well, what about John? I mean, is he going to have to lay his life down? You know, like, what's going on with him? I mean, what's going to happen to John? And Jesus, Jesus' answer is essentially this. It's none of your business. <laughs> That's his answer. <laughs> it's none of your business, Peter. It's up to Christ and his will what happens to John. And as we hear that, I think of just how much like, like Peter we are, right? I don't know exactly what Peter had in mind here, but how often, you know, we look over and we see, you know, this and that person with their gifts, how they're serving the Lord and how they're, they're doing this and that for the Lord, these incredible things for God. And we say, well, why not me? You know, why, why can't I do those things too? What about me, Lord? What about them? I mean, are they going to have to do that too? Are they going to go through what I'm going through as well? I mean, I've suffered a lot. I mean, are they going to have to do that as well? Or, man, look at how great they are. Am I going to be able to do that too? Well, based on Jesus' words here, you know what Jesus would tell you? That's none of your business. (laughs) You follow me. You follow me. And so here in the midst of all this, we have John's clarification. Jesus wants 
wasn't saying that John was going to live forever, but above all, what we see here as this gospel comes to close is we see that call right there. You follow me. And so we come to the end of this gospel, and as we come to it, we have two questions we need to ask ourselves, and the first one is this. Are you following him? Are you following him? The continual drumbeat of this gospel, it has been a continual proclamation, a continual heralding of Christ from every corner, from every turn, that you might believe and be saved. I mean, if you come away from the Gospel of John and you still don't see all these things, like your heart is still hard, hard to God, oh my. Right now, hear this final plea. Believe in the Gospel. Repent and be saved. Amen. And so right now, Jesus is calling you is that you would indeed know that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you would have life through Christ. So the question, are you following Him? Second question, how will you or do you need to follow Him now? He's not asking, how did you follow Him? but he's calling you to follow him now. You follow me. You have heard this whole gospel. Now it is you who are called to take it up. It is you who are to follow him. It is you who are to lay your life down. It is you He is not saying, oh, wait a bit longer and then follow me. Wait until you get that job or you get your education or you get married or something else. He's calling one and all to follow him now. And it may be that there's some area of your life that you said, you know, I'll get to that eventually. I'll eventually tell that person about Christ. I'll eventually read my Bible. I'll eventually take seriously this call to follow me. I'll eventually seek your face. I'll eventually humble myself before you and seek revival. I'll eventually serve in the church. I'll eventually become a member. I'll eventually get baptized. I'll eventually repent of that sin, I'll eventually turn from sin and self and believe. Jesus is saying, you follow me now. So as we end this study through this gospel, may we indeed believe, love, and follow the truly risen, saving, saving Lord. It's true, a world of books could not contain the glories and wonders of our Savior. And so glory in God's true word this morning. Take up his word. Eat this 
food, love him wholly, love him fully, and follow him, and lay your life down. Let's pray.